your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 274 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory downtown Toronto alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Well, it feels like the first time in a long time we're doing an episode without recapping an Ottawa Senators game. They finished the stretch of seven games in 11 days with their shootout loss to the Vancouver Canucks on Wednesday night and now have four full days off before they return to action on Monday. However, the Belleville Senators are in action twice against the Toronto Marlies and reinforcements are on the way. We'll tell you all the roster moves you need to know and what expectations should be for an underperforming Belleville squad. We also coincided this break with an awesome interview. John Rodenberg, the program director, but also known for TSN Mornings and formerly Tigor. He joins us for a great conversation, not only about the past, present, and future of the Ottawa Senators, but his career as well. So stay tuned for all that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Friday, March 19th, and Pilsy, this four-day break could not have come at a better time for these Ottawa Senators. Yeah, this is an injury-riddled team right now, and when you're at the bottom of the division and the injuries start piling up like this, and you're using your fourth-string goalie in a season where you are not expecting that, it's tough. So this is a good break. Hopefully, some of these day-to-day injuries will figure themselves out because, the, yeah, the Sens don't play till Monday. So a nice stretch, get some rest and relaxation, and get ready to go because these, this is a beatable team in the Calgary Flames, and the Sens have shown they can get it done. So I'm stoked for that to happen. Let's get you caught up on the roster moves. Clark Bishop, Artem Zub, and Philip Gustafson have been reassigned to the taxi squad. Money-saving moves to be sure, especially in the case of Artem Zub. I don't like that so much when it's a 25-year-old who needs a new contract at the end of the year, but maybe that's just in the negotiations. You say, we needed to save money. It's a condensed season, no revenue in from the fans. We'll add that, whatever it is, 50 grand, whatever, onto your next deal. But I don't see the Sens doing that, Ross. <laughs> well, they're going to have to because the agent's going to push for it. But because Philip Gustafson has been reassigned to the taxi squad, you made mention there's no healthy goalies on the NHL roster right now yeah that's a little unsettling Uh, mostly because there's not goalies put on the IR but no healthy goalie on the active roster right now obviously that's going to change when things uh, get back to normal on Monday when they're playing the Flames but it's going to be interesting Ross hopefully we get to see Anton Forsberg next week because they don't have many options unless like you said some of these day-to-day guys are going to recover Here's what we know about the Sens goaltending situation right now. Marcus Hogberg skating on his own, hasn't joined the team yet, so he's a bit of ways. Now, Kevin Mandelize, we think, will get the start in Belleville on Friday. Maybe even put him in back-to-back. He hasn't played in a little while outside of practice. And Matt Murray, more so week-to-week now, 
as it was seemingly like he was going to play right in that game. He goes out two minutes of warm up. He knew right away he couldn't go. Joey, of course, mentioned that in his interview. And Joey Decord, man, still no diagnosis for him. But DJ Smith saying in his availability, he will be out a while. What do you think a while could mean? Not to get too much into guessing, but it's got to be at least a week or two. Yeah, it's tough to say. I mean, I'm no doctor as my uh, predictions. I thought Colin White was going to be out long term. And I thought Dezingle was going to be out at least a couple days. That did not happen. So I'm not going to speculate too much. But all I know is it does seem like those non-contact knee injuries are always the worst ones. I don't know what it is, just the way um, that it twists and the way you fall on it. So it didn't look good. It looked bad. Uh, we're hoping Joey has a speedy recovery. But I'm not sure how long this will last, Ross. Nobody stays in as good a shape or better than Joey Decord. So we know that he's going to do everything he can to get his body ready and get back into game shape. He's played four straight games for Ottawa most of his NHL career, and I laugh because he's only played six NHL games. So you have a guy who's just itching to get back. Matt Murray, I'm sure, wants to make up. He's due for a good game, right, if he's alternating. So, hey, his next start, make sure you're betting at Bet Online on uh, the Sens money line there. But Belleville needs the help they can get. So I mentioned the guys who were assigned to the taxi squad. Belleville, though, this is the big story today. Yes, Matthew Peck as well. And I wonder if that means Logan Brown still not ready to go. We don't know yet about that, but you'll be sure to know the moment it happens at Sens Central on Twitter. We'll retweet that. But I'm bearing the lead. It's the franchise. Eric Brandstrom, a healthy scratch in four straight games. Finally will be able to lace them up. How important is this weekend for Brandstrom to show that he can carry the load and be a number one defenseman on a team that truly needs offense, especially from the back end? This will be a big weekend for Brandstrom because right now he's battling with Willannon for that ice time, and he's been losing that battle recently. So I'm excited to see Brandstrom in the AHL. That's where he really shines. We got to see firsthand what he can do down there. And I'm also excited. Hopefully we get to see him matched up with Lassie Thompson. I think that would be such a nice duo, especially each one of those guys can quarterback a power play, get Brandstrom on the first unit, Lassie on the second. And Lassie seems to be improving here. He had an assist in the last game. And I think Troy Mann's liking what he's seeing from him recently. So getting Eric Brandstrom, a true number one defenseman, and the guy that can munch minutes. Like he's a guy you can play 25 minutes in the AHL so that guys like Golubev don't have to have such a big load. And Golubev takes like five or six shots a game. So hopefully that gets spread out a little bit too. And then you get the addition of Matthew Pekka too. He's had a couple nice games in the NHL. I think he's a guy that can be an effective top six forward. I think this is mostly, obviously it's the timing. There's a four-day break. But this is, I think, Dorian sending a message like, we got to get things going in Belleville. This cannot continue. They have the lowest win percentage of any team in the AHL. Yikes. He's never played for Belleville. Came right to Ottawa, but played a lot in Laval with that mess of a rocket team last year. So I'm not even going to read his stats. They're not pretty, but you can be sure that Matthew Pekka will make an impact with Belleville. I'd like to see him on a line with Logan Shaw, two guys who can hum and get down low. Maybe even Alex Formanton as the trio, of course, if Logan Brown's healthy, you want him on the top line, but just another body. And yeah, there's just, a, there's a depth problem in Belleville. Now Angus Crookshank signed. He won't be available. He has to complete a full two week quarantine before he makes his AHL debut. Lots of time left. Like, we, we keep talking about the UND boys, and 
if they finish the season on April 10th and win the championship and then quarantine a full two weeks, they'll still be eligible for 13 games in this AHL season. So lots of rope left, but you want these games to be meaningful as well. And Belleville already starting to fall behind the eight ball when it comes to the North Division standings. This is a bigger weekend than I think many might assume this early in the season. So hopefully Belleville can get things on track. Eric Branstrom was noted by the coach of needing to work on the same things as Christian Will and he stressed, but stopping the cycle. So, hey, there's some big boys on that Marlies team. You look at their captain, Rich Kloon, and it moves down from there. He needs to show that, yes, it'd be nice if you see Branstrom. It'd be sexy for the franchise to get a couple points, Pilsy. But is it more important for him to either be a plus player or maybe get some time on the penalty kill? Yeah, I'm not sure if he'll get uh, penalty kill time. That'd be interesting. I'd love to see how he does. But I do think you make a good point. We know Brandstrom can get points in the AHL. Like, it's not like they're being like, you better get two power play assists because we're not sure if you can do that. That's obviously not the case. It's about, yeah, getting your gap control, playing better defensively. And that's exactly how you should be using the AHL. It's a place to develop those little skills because in the NHL, you don't have that half a second to think and to make better decisions. Guys are faster, stronger, smarter. Whereas in the AHL, you have that bit of space to really work on those tiny little details that nobody likes to work on, but it's important for an all around game, especially as a young, small defenseman, you got to really be in control of your gaps, stick, sick play, all that kind of stuff. So I'm excited to see the overall game from Branstrom, not necessarily just looking at the box score. Belleville has six games in hand on the Manitoba Moose, the next team above them. The B-Sens last in the North Division, but they only have four points in 10 games. Manitoba, 16 points. So there's already a ton of ground to make up despite the games in hand. You have to win those games in hand, and that's important. The Marlies are next up on that with 15 points, but again, they played last game, so the standings are sorted right now by points percentage. The Marlies are 7-6-1. and one. Belleville, man, like you need a you need a couple wins here. Let's see if Kevin Mandelise or whoever, maybe Cedric Andre, who was the third star in last game, they need to pull one out of their hat here, especially Friday. But if you can get both of these, it's going to be huge confidence booster going forward. Definitely, and against a, a rival in the Marlies, right? Like that's those are always heated games. Expect high goal scoring. That's what you always get from Belleville and Toronto. And the real telling stat here, Ross, is goals for. 18 goals for 35 wow. goals against even other teams who have played similar amounts like the Binghamton Devils have 26 goals like 18 goals is just not going to cut it they're only getting one or two goals a game so I want to see the offense get clicking and I think that's where you're going to see an offensive defenseman like Eric Branson really help and other little things too right like just transitioning the puck up the ice those kinds of things and getting an experienced veteran AHL guy like Matthew Peckle will really help the younger guys like Abramov hopefully can get going, keep Sokolov going. All these guys could use someone with a little more experience. So overall, I think Belleville has a chance of maybe not winning both of these games, but at least putting forth a much better effort. Afternoon game on Saturday as well. Our show will probably come out just before that. Of course, you can stay tuned for our Send Central Citizen. Follow us on social media as well, LockedOn.Senators. And course on twitter at sends central the b sends with the fewest amount of goals in the entire american hockey league let's hope that changes the next time we speak tomorrow we'll break down that full game on friday night as well pilsy great interview coming up with john rodenberg 
from TSN 1200. Like this guy's a legend in the industry. I mean, he's been on air for 23 years. He helped open the, the station. And I didn't realize this though. And you were on the Fan 590. Turns out that was the oldest sports talk radio station in the country. TSN 1200 right behind it at second. So that was a real fun conversation with JR. Oh, yeah. I mean, a legend in the industry. And it was great. Just like I love chatting with the people that have a pulse on this team for years and years and years to come. Like when and you'll hear it in the interview, but I got to ask him about uh, reacting to Dominic Hassett coming to town. We got uh, the rise and the sends making the playoffs, all these kinds of stuff. JR has great info on and uh, he's we just three sends fans just chatting. So this was a great interview and we're definitely going to have him back on the show. Just three cents fans shooting the breeze. Before we get to JR, let's tell you about our friends at Bet Online. It's the number one sponsor for the Locked On Podcast Network and the one place that has us covered that we trust for our sports online wagering. BetOnline.ag. Sign up today for a free account when you go to BetOnline.ag. When you do, use our promo code Locked On. That's right. Listeners to the Locked On Senators podcast are entitled to a 50% welcome bonus on their first deposit at betonline.ag. Now, that comes in the form of free play. Free play means you have to bet it to then turn it into real money. Fair enough, right? They're not just going to hand it to you. You got to wager to win. And typically, we go to Pilsy's Parlay of the Day. We're recording the night before. We've got a busy day. It's the way she goes, but tune in. At Send Central, we'll tweet out some Pilsy's parlay. You know what? Follow Pilsy at Brandon Pillar One. He's going to tweet out his parlay with the bet online odds because he sometimes wins. I mean, not always, but that's the beauty about parlays. When you win, you win big, and that's how we do it here. Go big or go home, and that's the bet online way. So go to betonline.ag, sign up today for your free account, and make your first deposit. When you do, Locked on is the promo code you need. You're stealing money. You can hear the sirens in the background. They know that you know your stuff. And I mean, the Sens money line, that's the crew that we've been riding with all season long. A four-day break. I mean, maybe keep a little bit of that free play and let it ride on your Ottawa Senders. Coming off that break, they're going to be rested and ready to go. So betonline.ag, promo code locked on. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the action and don't forget that promo code locked on to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And now, another word from another friend of the show. It's Built Bar, our favorite protein bar sponsor because it's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, not a candy bar that tastes like a protein bar. You get all the health benefits of a protein bar, but the delicious flavors that you would expect from your candy bar. 16 amazing flavors to be specific, not just one. You get eight chocolate nut-free flavors and eight chocolate with nut flavors. The bars are always covered in 100% chocolate. That is their number one thing, making sure you got good chocolate covering every flavor and they're soft and easy to chew. The texture is my favorite part of Built Bar, that's for sure. And it's great for the health-conscious guy or girl lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Low calorie, low sugar, but high protein and high fiber. With so many flavors to choose from, it's hard to narrow it down. But you got me. I'm the expert. Pillsy's pick of the day built bar is, I'm going simple. I said the bars are covered in 100% chocolate. You like chocolate? 
Let's get double chocolate, double trouble. 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, only four grams of sugar. Head to BuiltBar.com today and check out the double chocolate flavor. But as a listener of the Locked On Senators podcast, you know we got to hook you up with a little promo code, make things a little easier for you. So go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON20 and you'll get, guess what, 20% off your first order. I promise you, use this promo code, get your first order, you will be hooked. One more time, guys, Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your first order at BuiltBar.com. Now, here he is from TSN Mornings on TSN 1200, JR, John Rodenberg. All right, we now welcome a very, very special guest. He's the program director and the co-host of TSN Mornings on TSN 1200, John Rodenberg. JR, welcome to Locked On Senators. How are you doing today? I'm good. Glad to be honored with you guys. Number one sense podcast, from what I understand. So good, to, good I finally got the call. Well, I mean, the number one source for all things Senators is TSN 1200 from 6 a.m. to the post-game <laughs> show, Creature. I, I, I feel like nobody's more mad than Creature about the All-Canadian division. What's his post-game going to, like 2.30 when they're out west right now? But, no, you guys yeah. are all over it. So, it's, yeah. it's awesome to have you on. Yeah, are you guys uh, now are you guys enjoying the uh, the repetitiveness of seeing the same six teams over and over again? Or is it kind of dulling, uh, dulling the uh, effect at this stage? Well, it's nice when it's anyone but the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> I mean, when you go 0 for 7 against a team, I'm glad there's only two more games left against them. But it is pretty sweet when you get uh, the Leafs a couple times and those battles of Ontario have been just absolute battles. And the Sens come on top a couple times too, which is always fun. 3 and 3 against Toronto and I think uh, and 3 and 2 versus Montreal. So if you if you're going to win some games, right, those are the ones to win them against. Absolutely. I'd like to see them go maybe two or three times a year against these teams, whereas right now it's just a one home and home, maybe two home and home against the teams out west, the same about against Toronto and Montreal, but it just adds a little more rivalry. I feel like there's more friends who are are, are fans of teams out west as well and it's just the all Canadian content, but I don't need to see them nine times a year anymore. I think that I'm getting a little sick of, but I mean, overall, I mean, you're doing what we can, and we have hockey, right? So that's the big thing yeah. right now. Yeah. Well, we think about a year ago, right? If uh, we were all walking around like zombies, uh, yeah. waiting for anything. So we'll take Calgary five times out of six, uh, five times out of six, uh, any day. No doubt. So I, I've heard that you are a Calgary Flames fan. Is that true? Uh, you know what? Um, uh, I grew up a Flames fan, so I, uh, yeah, it's kind of a long story, but it's not that interesting. But uh, yeah, and you know what? If you uh, if you have a team as a kid. You don't, you don't ever really drop it, I don't think. So, you know, I'll, I'll admit I have a soft spot for them. That being said, I don't think that they're, they're, they're headed in the right direction necessarily. So, uh, but uh, to be honest with you, I mean, all of, all of my time in terms of what I watch and obviously what we talk about and what I consume is all about the Ottawa Senators because that's what my work is. Which uh, Kachuk brother do you prefer to watch? Whose game do you like better? Oh, man. I tell you what, you know what, for as much as they're, uh, as they're similar, uh there there's a lot of differences like like matthew matthew i think runs his mouth a lot more um but i think at the end of the day brady answers with his fists a lot more i don't think matthew's been in he's been in a few right and where he's needed to answer the bell like against cassie in the one time drew dowdy of course a couple of times yeah. he's done that uh but they're they're different players you know like like matthew kachuk in his third year put up 80 points now is on a better team like brady at this point you know, he's kind of at the same sort of point level. And this is when one of the interesting things I'm going to see at the end of this year, his contract, uh, that's uh, obviously his rookie deals up at the end of this year. 
just basing it on the numbers he's going to be putting up, even if you prorate them to 82 games, um, he's not going to put up the numbers nearly that his brother did. And his brother signed a three-year, $7 million a year contract, right? So if we're basing it sheerly on numbers, uh, I don't think Brady's going to have as, as good a numbers to negotiate off of than Matthew did. I guess uh, value to the team, though, would be his comeback to that and say, how much do you need Brady to, to get yeah. this thing on the right track? But Absolutely. Uh, no, no doubt there's, there's that rivalry building between the two brothers whenever they play. And as long as they get Brady locked up, that's all that matters. But JR, as we like to do this, we like to take it chronologically. I want to go way back. How did you initially get into broadcasting? What was the inspiration? Uh, well, I went to college for it. Um, Mohawk College in Hamilton, Ontario, way back in the day. Um, you know, I, I, I'd be one of those typical stories like a lot of guys. I love to play sports as a kid, never good enough to actually follow through professionally. So what's the next best thing? Uh, be, a, you know, uh, be in the media at that point. That's a long time ago. I'm about your parents' age probably at the end of the day. So uh, I've been doing this gig for a long time. But, uh, but back then, I took broadcast journalism. I was actually in the news game. Uh, when I graduated out of college uh, in the uh, in the late 80s and was in news until they started uh, what was then known as Ottawa Sports Radio in 1998, the original, the second sports radio station in Canada after the fan in, in Toronto. We've been around now for 23 years, and I was fortunate enough that the the company I worked for back then uh, were uh, CFRA had the, uh, the Sens radio rights, and uh, this company, a new company, had bought the radio station and then they got the senators rights from CFRA and they said, we're going to start an all sports radio station. And I was kind of fortunate to be in the company at the time, like sports. I was living in Toronto, then working in Toronto. They said, do you want to come back to Ottawa and, and head up this sports thing? And I said, what the hell? I like sports. It's always what I wanted to do. Let's give it a go. And here I am 23 years later. Yeah, well, congrats. And it's been a long, great career for you, JR. And how about the timing? You get there at 1998 and the Sens just start to ride. Like you skipped, you skipped all those uh, wasteful first years. Don't worry about that. Then once they're on the rise, you get to talk about them. How much of a like uplifting feeling was that not only for you guys and the station, but also the city of Ottawa? Like finally you got your hockey team and now they're starting to be successful. Tell us a little bit about uh, the rise at the beginning there. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, we, we hit the we hit the wave as it was going up. Unfortunately, um, the expectations, boy, did they grow really quickly because the Sens went from kind of making the playoffs in 97 to winning that incredible round versus the Devils in, in 98. And, uh, you know, the city's on a high at that point. And then in 99, because they were a bottom team and kind of upsetting the teams above them. In 99, they're the top team and they end up getting, I think, beat out. I think it was Buffalo that year. And then the next year after that, it was like they got beat by the Leafs. I think three, it was three out of four years. I think we all remember that well. So there was a lot of, it was great regular season hockey and this incredible disappointment in the playoffs every year, especially when they kept losing to the Leafs. So that's what made 2003, the year they went to game seven of the conference final. That was kind of the outlier. And of, uh, you know, remembering back to those first six or seven years that we had the rights to the games you know, every year the playoffs were a crash and burn. And, uh, you know, I did all night shows back then, taking calls right through the night. Uh, but that one year when they went and they, I mean, they lost to Buffalo, but that was an incredible run. So it was neat to be there on the wave and going through it all. But man, there were a lot of downtimes and a lot of times when people were pretty, uh, pretty bitter about, uh, about them losing in the playoffs. Hope you're enjoying our chat with JR. Before we get back to it, let's tell you about our friends at Rock Auto. They were ahead of their time serving auto parts online to their customers, and they've been doing it for 20-plus years. All you have to do is go to rockauto.com to shop for all your auto and body parts from hundreds of different 
manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even get your new carpet there. And whether it's for your classic or daily drive, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique, remarkably easy to navigate, quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Sounds like an easy question, but you'd be surprised if you don't go to rockauto.com. So go there right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. All we ask is that you put locked on in their how did you hear about us box. That way they know that we sent you reliable selection, the lowest prices. It's rockauto.com. All right, now back to our chat with John Rodenberg. We don't need to hash that, uh, hash that all out. We, we, we all know about that. Let's keep yeah, it we'll, we'll edit that out. We'll edit yeah, that out. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I want to ask you too, when you start uh, your career broadcasting school, what was your kind of end goal? Like, I think it's so interesting to talk to people who have been in the industry for a long time. And you, you ask them, where did you want to go when you started? And then something, usually you get a lucky break or something and that takes you on a completely different path. What was that like for you? Uh, I would call, I would call the lucky break, the, 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 you know, that 1998, that phone call that happened that said, Hey, do you want to come back to Ottawa and, and be a part of this new sports radio station that we're starting? Because, you know, quite frankly, back then I was, I was doing news. I was, I was in Toronto, which is, you know, if you're working in the media business, that's where you want to be. Right. It's where all the big radio and television stations are. I was pretty happy doing what I was doing. I was working on a morning show for a, what was in a country music station. And, you know what life was going on so then this phone call happens and life changes and goes 180 degrees i'm changing cities i'm changing what i do in terms of uh, of sports i if you would have asked me when i graduated from school you know uh would you would i end up where i am in 2021 i would like sports radio didn't even exist back then right you talk like i do a show and all i do is talk about sports the entire time like what kind of shangri-la is this yeah not bad so so it, it it's one of those things where i've been very fortunate and i always I always remember this is that I haven't always had like when I graduated from school, I didn't have this grand five or 10 year plan of I want to be here, here and here. Like doors have always kind of opened for me. I've been very fortunate about that. Uh, and, and I've always even even in, I've been, you know, here in Ottawa doing the sports radio stuff for off and on for the last 23 years. There's been some other opportunities. I did a morning show on the music station here for a few years. Well, you know, in the lockout year or whatever. But there's always been new refreshing opportunities for me where I haven't felt I haven't felt at any point where, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting bored by what I'm doing. Uh, and, and so there's always been challenges. And now taking on the program directing role along with doing a morning show. I mean, it's like I've got two jobs now. So uh, I got challenges all the time. So I've been very fortunate in that. I just I, I just have always had a lot of stuff going on and it's uh, doors have always opened for me. Very fortunately. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the NHL lockout. One of my favorite memories from Tigor is the NHL lockout free hour from seven to eight, where you guys just <laughs> made sure not to mention it. The little gags on, on Tigor were awesome. And I still don't know who won the trade though, between you guys and Bob FM with uh, you and Stuntman Stu going back and forth with each other there. He's been a guest on the show as well, but I actually wanted to get in to, you mentioned taking on the role as program director. How do you balance the two, the two jobs? Yeah, it's, it's tough. You know, and if I, if I'm going to be honest with you guys, I mean, if I did, th this would be a role typically and in a lot of radio stations where it would be two jobs, but 
such is the reality of the world we live in right now where everybody has to do, you know, has to, has to take on more. And I, I've been actually doing it for a few years now. Um, but if I'm being honest with you, if I were to do one and not the other, I would be better at the one I'm doing. Um, you know, there's, there's just only so many hours in the day and, uh, I'm, I'm just, I just, I don't have enough time and, and maybe more importantly, maybe enough brain space to be able to, to dedicate, you know, as much time as I, and, and as much thought as I need to into each of the two jobs. So I figure I'm working at about 90% effectiveness, uh, in the job, which I guess for the here and now is, uh, they're, they're happy with, um, but, but it's tough. You know what? It's, uh, I'll, I'll say the most difficult thing for me is that because I came from the on-air side uh, is that uh, I've always been buddies and, uh, you know, with the peers, the people I work with, right? They're, they're, you know, we're all part of a team, right? At the end of the day. And, and so from the on-air side of things, I'm a teammate. But then on the program director side, I'm kind of the boss in a roundabout way, right? Um, so I, it's, it's a difficult balance between the two because players you know, at coach. some point... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And we all know how well that's worked. We don't find them uh, very much in professional sports and there's probably a reason for it. So that's been the most difficult balancing act of, of that. And, uh, uh, but it is certainly, it's very challenging, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, there are no, uh, I don't have a lot of downtime to be sure. So, uh, but it's, uh, it has, it's, it's, it's been a great challenge and a lot of fun. With all the change in the radio industry, there's been one constant last question before we get into some sense talk, how many phone conversations have you had with Pierre Maguire? Well, I could probably do the math for you pretty quickly. So he's been on with us. Uh, he started in September of 1999. Uh, and he works about 10 months. Uh, and he's probably, and I'll, I'm not lying. This is the great thing about Pierre is his availability. They say the best part of ability is availability. Um, uh, he, I think, has missed probably less than 10 shows. And that's only because he's on a plane sometimes. So if you did the math and he does 40 weeks a year, I believe it is, times five is 200 times uh, what are we at like 22 years so whatever 200 times 22 is a lot wow we're a not lot. math yeah. guys on this show but no. has he ever hit you with the memoji because sometimes he'll, he'll hit me with those and i always laugh it's either a thumbs up or he's got the th the one with his glasses <laughs> on and everything. what a beauty yeah. i always love yeah. you guys conversations together yeah pierre loves his emoji game to be sure 100 yeah. percent. well doesn't spend any time on social media it's all about the emojis no, exactly. Well, that's probably for the best based on yeah. how people are, are always negative. And I feel like Pierre always brings a positive attitude and, and some great insight as well. So that must have been coming off not too long after he worked for the Senators. Yeah, no, well, he got he got he didn't last for long because he was under the, he was he was the assistant coach under Dave Allison. They all Ooh. got fired in 90 late 95. That came uh, up on this show recently. Dave Allison's record was not pretty, to say the two least. And, two and twenty two. <laughs> two and 22. That's, That's why you only do. last 20, 24 games when your yeah. record is two and 22. Wow. So Pierre, and I, you know what, I have to ask him what he did between then. So that would be late 95. And then I know his kind of first media job was, was in Montreal. He was working on, um, he was working on the uh, Habs broadcast, I think at one point. And then he was also part of the Sens when they were on CFRA. So when we took the rights from CFRA, that free, he, he spent a year doing CFRA. They did kind of a counter, uh, pre-game show because we are the official guys and they 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 thought they would kind of sort of keep their hand in as much as they could that lasted for a year and then they dropped that and then he came over to us after that and he's been here uh, been here ever since he brings a and i know a lot of people like they're they don't like pierre or whatever and uh uh you know i i understand his the way he presents it on the air it's not it's not everybody's cup of tea but for me to be able to bring on a guy every morning who stands between the benches of an NHL game that all of us have watched the night before. I mean, that's incredible. Tons of value. 
perspective, right? So for us, that there's no one else that, you know, would I prefer if he did the games in Canada and was still on TSN? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the one downside, but uh, he's never shy with opinions. And, and when he says, uh, you know, I watch all the games, he'd be the one guy that actually, I believe actually does. He probably tapes them all and watches them all night because he's such a hockey nerd. Yeah, I believe it. And like, say what you want about Pierre Maguire, like him or hate him, but the knowledge and the insight, like this is a guy that's telling you about uh, hockey prospects, third <laughs> cousin's dog. Crazy, eh? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, yeah. like he's just got so many stories, so many connections. It's wild. And I want to ask you, the we talked about it a bit um, off air. The reason I'm an Ottawa Senators fan is because Dominic Hasek came over. Can you tell me what was the reaction when he signed the city it gets notified he's coming and it's it's short and not very sweet but um, take me through the initial reaction of when he came here and when he left unfortunately I want to hear both sides well yeah when he came so so that was after the that was after the lockout right so when he came it was like there had been so many years of failures and, and Patrick Laleem was the goalie for game seven when they lost in 04 before the lockout started. Couple uh, and, and, you know, Patrick had some actually, if you look at his playoff stats are actually pretty good, but unfortunately when the chips were down, he was never able to have a good game. So it's always seemed to come down to the goalies for Ottawa. So when Dominic Hasek is coming and you've got still this at two, in 2006, a lot of people still argue that was the best senators team ever. Uh, and now you're adding Dominic Hashik to the mix at that point. Uh, I mean, people were absolutely thinking, okay, this is it. It's the final piece. They finally done it. And I just remember how positive people were and he was performing well. And then that fricking adductor injury that he got at the, uh, the Olympics. Right. And it was all like, it was, Oh my God, you've got to be kidding me. They finally got the goalie and he gets injured and he's not even playing for the Sens at the time. It, it, it's like the black cloud that's always seemingly been above this franchise. That was the one moment where it seemed like uh, uh, it really rang true. So I remember it was the highest highs when he when he signed and he was playing and like when he when he got the injury and then it was kind of it was kind of in the back. You know, we weren't quite sure how long it would last. And then he never ended up coming back. It was like and then they lost to the they ended up losing to the Sabres that year in the playoffs in the first round. Yeah, Um, yeah, I just remember how 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 crushing that was at the time. And then he goes on to win the Stanley cup with the Red Wings in 2008, <laughs> just that insult to injury yeah. there. Jerry, you got a pulse on this team, like no other. I want to ask what fired up the city the most, the 2017 playoff run, pretty unexpected. The Hamburglar run where if you're living it, like looking back, you're like 21 and two. Yeah, it's ridiculous, but living it in real time, you were just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Or was it one of those 06 or 07 teams when they were just the, the, crown of jewel of the ball and you're just kind of hoping and expecting them to win yeah great question um boy we're going it's hard to think now that that 2007 uh that fun, that run in 2007 is now coming up to us well, 14 years ago wow. like it's uh and so i don't remember as much necessarily you obviously remember i remember if you're talking about specific memories i remember when alfie scored the goal to uh, to win the series against buffalo it was on a saturday afternoon and I remember going out and shooting pucks on my driveway into a net, listening to the post-game show go on for hours and hours and hours because they flew back that afternoon, that late afternoon, and everybody had gone out to the airport, right, to greet them. It was a really, really cool story. And we had, like, you know, guys out there and just the interviews with the players and the fans. As far as kind of that kind of reaching the top, that really felt like that moment. And then... I don't know if you guys remember, there was a nine-day layoff between them winning that series before they started the final against Anaheim. And it was like all the momentum got lost. And it was just like they just, out. 
yeah, they never got untracked in that final series. And so it was a bit of a, it was, it was, you know, just a great crescendo and then a great crash. The final never really seemed to get going. Although the one game, the first game they played here in Ottawa in the final, when they won five to three, I remember being, it was a Saturday. They did a concert. I think it was the trues were out front. I, I got, you know, I had the chance. I was in the last row of the stands with my nephew who by, by, you know, cre- incredibly enough is it, it was it living in Toronto and is a Sens fan. I took him to the game. We we're in the last row of the 300 level and just how loud that rink was when the uh, anthem happened and the giant flag was going around. So that, that's my memory of 07. But if you want to talk about like incredible moments, I'd even put the 2013 uh, series against Montreal oh, yeah. uh, when uh, uh, the five fights on the ice game and Pajot hat trick. We had Matt Cassian with- on our show and he, yeah. he broke down. He said, he, you know how they called Paul McLean a bug-eyed walrus? Yeah. He said that when he was choking out Colby Armstrong, he was trying to squeeze his eyes. Out his head. <laughs> that's awesome. That's so good. Yeah, I remember that I was with my daughter who was very young at the time. And she was a huge Sens fan. And I remember that all these fights were happening on the ice. And I remember looking down at her and she looking up at me with this look of wonder in her eyes. Like, this is the greatest thing. I've, and she's been a super, <laughs> I call her Sens super fan. Nice. She's been a super fan ever since. And it all was that game, five fights on the ice and the Pajot hat trick. So there was that. But just in terms of, and maybe it's recency bias, but the 2017 thing, because First of all, you know, it went three rounds in game seven. And uh, I think the other part was they won six games in overtime during that run. So it wasn't like they were steamrolling everybody, right? They, they, you know, in a, in a way we can reflect upon it now. They, they actually got lucky. You're lucky to win that many overtime games. They, they were lucky in essence to get as far as they did. But also having that many overtime games is so incredibly thrilling, right? Because as a fan, if you're a fan of the team or watching the team like we are, you're on the edge of your seat because, you know, one shot wins it one way or the other. And, and the shot for the Sens always seemed to go in the other team's net. So just in terms of how long that run was, I, I'd have to say 2017, man, that was that was incredible. And it was like like everybody says, one shot away from being in the final. Yeah, the storylines as well, starting with Clark MacArthur, like the home goal, the first one, and then he wins the series yep. against Boston. You have like probably the highlight of of the Sens franchise with uh, Carlson to Hoffman. It seems like that in itself is worthy of the memory, but I like that. Which series, uh, the Boston one probably, or, or the Rangers one? I mean, winning at MSG itself and it is just special there in game six. Yeah, yeah. If I had to pick one of the two series, I remember more of the Boston games, to be honest with you, because I remember they lost the first game, and I remember thinking, oh, here we go again. And in game two, remember they were down, and then Carlson had that incredible – where he walked the blue line and then went across the, and then fed uh, Broussard for that yep. one timer, right? Uh, that goal after he yelled at him on the bench. So that's, and then Phaneuf won that game in overtime. And that was huge, right? I think if they lose that game in overtime, they probably don't win the series, right? So I remember that. Then I remember they go to Boston and Bobby Ryan scores in one of the games in Boston, he scores in overtime. And then the other one, he scores in the third period, both game winning goals. Uh, and then they lose game five and then game six is the MacArthur goal that, that you described. So there were so many, there's so many memories. I remember those games more, the Ranger games. I remember Carlson scoring the, uh, the winning goal in the, in game six at MSG. Um, and obviously, uh, Tanner Glasgow and, and Chris Neal coming in, right. Yeah. And tuning him in is fun. I want to tell him my, my, uh, his fun's done. We still play that, uh, that clip all the time <laughs> from the post game after he came in on Tanner glass, but I don't have as many memories of the Ranger series, just how, how incredible Carlson was, was, uh, was my overwhelming memory from the overall playoff. But in terms of the series, I remember more of the Boston games. Yeah, JR, I'm with you. That's, uh, that's my favorite series of Sens history. And I know it's just around one, but the, the emotions of all the, 
you know, that was the start of a magical run, which we hoped would finish better, but that's Dion's little leap. Yeah, I love Dion's little leap after that goal. That plays my mind over and over. I absolutely love it. Now, hopefully this present team can make some uh, new nice memories for us because we can use some nice memories for the Ottawa Senators. And what do you think is the biggest bright spot this season? Like uh, a spot that maybe you thought would have a little trouble on this team or a player or an area that really has kind of shined much better than you thought it would. Well, I'm probably not being very original with my thought because you guys probably touched on this a million times, but it's the fact that they're being at forward. They're being led by the young guys, right? It, 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 this isn't a older guys leading younger guys are gradually getting better. You know, the team's doing okay or whatever. This is the old guys really aren't doing much at all. And the young guys are just taking this team by the scruff of their neck and pulling them along for, and, and so for any success that they've had, it's really been the guys who you want leading the charge, right? It's, it's Stutzla, Kachuk, Batherson, and Norris. You got your core four right there at forward going forward with maybe, you know, another couple of reinforcements to come here in the, in the relatively near future. So the fact that they've um, not only identified uh, who those players are, but those players have performed at or above expectation uh, at forward, I think is, uh, has been, that's been, that's been a surprise to me. I thought it would take them a little while longer. We obviously knew Kachuk, right? He's, this is his third year, but Norris coming in and not just, you know, like he's, he's got, I think seven goals now. Um, I really thought when he started, I thought as it went on that he would get ground down a little bit and not necessarily have to go back to Belleville, but we'd see, we, we see with a lot of guys, right. Where they kind of Peter out it's tough first gross NHL season. Right. I think he's gotten better as it's gotten yeah. along. So His Norris face off really, ability really yeah. is what impressed me as a 21 year old. Yeah. He's like, he's, he's well over 50% on the draws, which is, which is atypical. So Norris has gotten better. Um, uh, Batherson, I was always a big Batherson fan, but just to see the difference between this year and last year, last year he came, he started the year. He's just too heavy. He didn't train the right way. This year he's come back. He knows he's an NHL player. Now he's got such slick hands. Like, and the, the magic between him and that Stutzla is like that. You can just see that. That's that's going to be they lead those two guys together for the next five years. That's going to be uh, install goals whenever they want. And and Stutzel, I'm sure you guys you guys have uh, said everything you need to know about Stutzel. He's been everything that they would want and more. Uh, he's an incredible hockey player and he's just scratching the surface. Right. You're going to see it's going to get better and better and better with this guy. And the fact that he's got a great personality, the fact Unreal. that you guys have had him on your show. Right. Like all that stuff. Like like think about the. I, I go back to the Kachuk draft when it was between him and Zadina, right. And everybody was upside down, should have gone Zadina and and we don't need to go down that road. But if you think about the fact that not only is Kachuk a better hockey player at this point, I think we'll be going forward, but just the difference in the personality, right. If Philip Zadina is in Ottawa, like Kachuk, he's like a presence. The guy, yeah. They don't have him on the team right now. Like they've got Stutzla now and they, right. It's it's such a total, like the elements that he brings to the table, Kachuk, and just not only just the on ice, but everything off the ice, future captain and all that stuff. I mean, it's just uh, so having those, again, having those four guys identified uh, as your core four going forward for the foreseeable future. I think that's huge. Have you asked Simmer if he's got his gear handy with all the injuries in goal? Well, we I, I, I threw it out there because so the cords out. I did identify uh, the Sens uh, goaltending depth chart. So I got right now Gustafson at one. Uh, I've got uh, Mandalize at two. Uh, we don't know, obviously, when Hogberg or when uh, when Forsberg is going to be here. So I asked actually Pierre McGuire about it this morning. We have on our depth chart now Shooter Tutor as three, <laughs> uh, and we've got Simmer at four and Gord Wilson at five. 
That's our that's our wearing wearing whose gear, Pilsy? I always forget. He told Craig us Craig Billington. Show. Yeah, he's got Craig Billington's old gear. Well, he uh, did before they got stolen. Oh yeah, he's right from his garage. He said, <laughs> yeah. "Well, Jr., we'd like to throw our name in the ring too. We're a goalie-friendly show. Uh, Are you washed-up beer leaguers? But hey, if it keeps on going this way, at least give us a shot in Belleville. Sure. I know they've got yeah. a couple Ottawa boys uh, on amateur tryouts there right now, but we're ready. We're ready. You know, you know what I'll do next time I throw. I've been doing it uh, a little bit on Twitter the last couple of days. So I will uh, the next time once we get an update on uh, Decord." I'll put down my uh, my my next uh, depth chart, and I'll have you guys on there as well. Perfect. I'll go get yeah. my skates sharpened just in case. Jay, I really appreciate you ha- having you on the show today. Uh, like I said, I grew up listening to Tigor, three-time Tigor member uh, in yourself, <laughs> but it, it really did kind of give me the passion to to get into College of Sports Media and, and really kind of pursue this. And we really love listening to you still to this day. So really appreciate you coming on and look forward to having you on again soon. Awesome. Love to do it anytime, you guys. Congrats on the uh, on the great pod. And uh, yeah, look forward to uh, joining you again soon. Stick taps to JR for joining us. What a treat to chat with him, Pilsy. And as you mentioned, we'll be sure to have him and many others from TSN 1200 back on this show. But before we go, we have another note. Now, Ridley Gregg was suspended in the first game of the year for the second year in a row. Uh, he served a three-game suspension. The final game of that was last night. So he will return to the Brandon Wheat Kings lineup on Saturday. And that's just exciting news in general, Pilsy. Always good to see your first-rounders play instead of sit on the sidelines and get get suspended, right? Absolutely, yeah. We don't want to see much more of that from Ridley Gregg. But he's got it out of his system. We don't have to worry about it now. He just... He's a little bit hot to start the season. And, hey, I'm excited to see what really Greg can do in this uh, Brandon Wheat Kings short season. But he looked great in Belleville, and Belleville sure is missing him. So uh, Brandon's one lucky team to get him back. Yeah, no doubt. So as we wait for Ridley Gregg to return and the Ottawa Senators to return on Monday, the rest of their homestand looks like this. Monday, they host the Calgary Flames. Same thing on Wednesday. That'll be the end of the Calgary Flames for at least a little while. Still one more series to go against them in Calgary, but I feel like it's just been every other game against them. And then they'll finish off their homestand against the Toronto Maple Leafs. So that just gives me joy to say because every game has been entertaining against the Leafs this season, including three wins, right? So awesome that these wins are coming or these upcoming games are coming against the teams that they've had success against, including they play four straight games, two in each spot, against the Montreal Canadiens before oh, the Edmonton Oilers. I don't even want to talk about that, but nine and seven against the Flames, Leafs, and Habs this year. So nice to see those, the next three opponents, eh, Pills? Yeah, it's great. And we don't see Edmonton till April 7th and 9th. That's Those are the days I think maybe I'll, I'll miss those games somehow. Accident. Yeah, not see those, but... Yeah, it's, it's nice that you're going to get some teams that you've had better matchups against, especially with this injury trouble. So we'll see. Hopefully some Sens can recover. But when guys are injured, that's just one door closes and another one opens, right? So let's see if guys can step up. That's how Joey Decord made a name for himself last season, right? So we'll see if someone can step up. Maybe Gus will get a good look in the NHL. He's he's had a lot of good looks from the bench. I can't believe he was dressed for eight games before getting on the ice. That's wild. 
Yeah. At least he's collecting those NHL paychecks on those days, though. Nothing wrong with that. Hey, people need to step up in Belleville for this season to get back on track. So stay tuned tomorrow. We'll have a full breakdown of that game, our Send Central Citizen, and a whole lot more. Hope you enjoyed our interview with John Rodenberg. But for Brandon Biller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.